That's all we ever mean I forgive you Everything Meet me at the railroad bar About seven o'clock We'll talk while the sun goes down Watch the lovers leaving town This is for lovers Running away This is for lovers Running away Just for today I'm running away with you XO Episode 4 Abridged So here's what happened. I found a box in my closet of a bunch of old writing that I did. And in there was an old Harlequin romance that I tried to write when I was in high school. I had this idea that I could write Harlequin romances occasionally to get some money and it would be easy to do. And it turns out that was not the case at all. I bought a couple as like a primer. I tried to read them. I just couldn't finish them. They were so shit. And it's kind of cool, like I, for some reason, I typed these. I had this old school typewriter from the 50s and I was click, 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 typing away on this old green paper that I don't even know where I got it from. But what happened was I read the fucking thing through and I thought, hey, that'll be fucking hilarious. It's awful. And it wasn't. It wasn't fucking hilarious at all. It was fucking death. So I started skimming. And I made that into a show. It was like 40 minutes long and it was just torture. It was not at all good. So I cut it down to 25 minutes and then I cut, I, I did like four versions and they just, ugh, <laughs> you know? And I'm not letting this go, fucking, I'm just, I'm gonna make this work, but this is gonna be severely abridged. So you're going to hear these little fast-forward noises. And that means I just took a chunk of this book and fucking threw it away. Because it sucks. The whole thing was only 20 pages to start with, and... It broke me. It broke my spirit. So, this is the incomplete tale of Allison, who works at the pharmacy, and this dude Lenny who hits on her, and then this handsome dude who comes into the pharmacy who then she later meets at a party that her friends Holly and Andrew are throwing, and he ends up, well, I won't give away the fantastic ending. Ladies and gentlemen, a skim across the top of a Harlequin romance that I tried to write as a teenager. Maybe it was the atmosphere of a drugstore themselves that she had always liked. There's a typo already. I'm not going to mention the typos. <clears throat> she feels safe here, the feeling heightened by the rain outside. She feels like the only person on the planet and closes her eyes to better imagine it. The earth fades away and she feels only herself, wrapped in the blanket of a dark void 
Traveling Without Moving. Okay, that's fucking gay. That's the name of a Jamiroquai album. <laughs> Remember that? The virtual Insanity and Use the Force? Holy shit, Keith. All right. Listen. Lenny pauses and Allison looks up at him. If you're not too busy tonight. Just then she notices a man standing at his counter and says, Customer. Inclining her eyebrow in the direction of his post. Oh, right, Lenny says, scurrying off without looking at her. She knew that it was only a matter of time before this happened, and wonders offhandedly when it will happen again. She'll make sure not to lead him on. She has no interest in Lenny. Her gaze travels to the man standing at Lenny's counter, and her breath slows suddenly. Ah, what? How does one's breath slow suddenly, Keith? Jesus Christ, man. I want to go in a time machine and just be like, read that. Read what you just wrote. He is tall, wearing a loose-fitting suit that hangs from his figure in a way that makes Allison immediately aware of the body underneath, as though the material were draped over a marble statue. Her eyes move to his face, totally unaware that she's staring due to his total lack of acknowledgement. His jaw is casually set, the broad planes of his cheekbones leaving his face with a look of determination which is so ingrained that it seems entirely natural. If anyone's read any Ayn Rand books, you know, you probably realize where uh, some of this descriptive language is coming from. Neither Allison nor he look at each other, but she can feel a tension between them as though the air has thickened in order to make it more difficult for him to walk away from her. But an instant later, he's gone, and the store suddenly takes on a new feeling of emptiness. She walks back to her counter. It's almost time to close for the evening, and she still has a bit of work left to do. As she moves, she looks out the window, into the dark, wondering how far that man has traveled away from her. She looks at the building she passes, glancing as far up their length as she can before being driven back by the rain's onslaught. No one else is around for miles, it seems for the rest of the entire world. The wetness begins to reach her body, raindrops running down her back, down the sides of her body, past the calves of her legs. <laughs> the calves of her legs. It feels good, giving the world a sense of immediate reality that she had lost in her ponderings back at the store. Before she realizes what she's doing, she begins to spin around, her arms outstretched in response to the rain, giving it a sort of respect that's been lost by all those who use cars, subways, umbrellas. She arrives at the door of her apartment building, not far from the drugstore. There is no doorman. She lives in a simple two-room suite in a converted house. Walking up the stairs, she unlocks. <laughs> Who cares? Why? There's no doorman. All right. After a few minutes, she reaches for her cordless phone and dials a number. A female voice answers. Hello? Hi, Holly. Are you busy? No, just doing some housework. How are you? I'm all right, I guess. Allison pauses. I saw this guy at the store today. Holy balls. All right, I'm not even halfway through this shit, man. This just goes on and on, like, I don't know. 
So Holly and Allison have a little blab about uh, how Allison wants to find the right guy and doesn't want to get trapped with the wrong guy in case the right guy comes along and maybe she doesn't want to get married anyway. And la, 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 la. And then the conversation ends with, I'm not so sure I want to get married anyway. There's other options. There is, but that's a whole different story. And I've got to finish waxing the floor. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, bye. This is another a motif of a lot of the stuff I wrote around this time is uh, rain, because I always just liked rain a lot. So Allison is blah, blah, blah about how much she likes the rain. And okay, listen to this. She remembers all the nights throughout the years in which the rain has lulled her to sleep. She's always wished that she could call down the rain whenever she wished. Perhaps she would have been happiest as an outdoor pharmacist who only worked on rainy days. What is that? Like, is that a joke? What the fuck is that? Then Allison ends up at some kind of fucking anniversary party. He takes her hand and kisses it lightly, looking into her eyes as if just suddenly wish it could end some other way. I really should get back to writing. I always, you know, intended to be a writer. I just have a really shitty work ethic. But, you know, I guess stuff like this. I remember Dave Sim, the uh, comic book artist. He used to say that everybody has 2,000 bad pages of artwork in them. And all you got to do is grind your way through those 2,000 and then you'll start to make good shit. So it turns out the mystery man from the pharmacy is also at this party, and now he drives and sees that there's a car driving away, and he's in it. Boo-hoo-hoo. Oh, shit, and as the car drives away, the dude looks back, sees her, and recognizes her because he smiles. Oh, fuck. Really? Holly places a hand on her chin. Why, it must be fate. Get real, Allison says. Nobody believes in that stuff. Secretly, however, she had been thinking the same thing. So the next day, she's at home, and she's baking cookies, and there's a knock on the door, and it's the guy. I guess he, like, asked her name or some shit and showed up at her house. Pretty fucking unlikely, but I guess as a teenager, I don't know, isn't that how we all hoped we would have a relationship, that somebody would just fucking show up at the door? Oh, the big reveal. His name is Henry. Hi, I'm Henry. <laughs> I don't know what voice to use for him. Hey, I'm Henry. Yeah, that's the one. She looks into his eyes across the threshold of her doorway and hears her faraway sounding voice say, What are you doing here? His eyes seem to tell her that she knows why he's here, that her question isn't necessary, but his voice explains in terms that make it easier for both of them. I saw you at Andrew's party a few days ago. I asked Andrew who you were. He stops there, not needing to explain the rest. She stares at him for another moment, almost in disbelief, before a small smile creeps onto her face. I'm Allison. She feels for a moment like she should shake his hand. Then she feels like she should kiss him. But she does neither, simply continuing to look at him. I just have some time off from the office. Wanna go for a walk? Just let me throw on some shoes, she says, the incredulous smile still on her face. She goes to her bedroom and sits on the edge of her bed, pulling on a pair of shoes. Walking back out, she wishes that she had thought to look in a mirror, but finds herself walking toward him regardless. She steps through the apartment door, closing it behind her, and they walk down the steps to the street. So I guess we rejoin them mid walk 
So Henry, she says, turning to him. Do most of your friends call you Hank? Uh, for fuck's sake. See, again, there's a guy in Atlas Shrugged, the Ayn Rand book, named Hank Reardon. His real name is Henry, but his friends call him Hank. For fuck... Come on, dude. Yeah, actually. Do yours call you Allie? No. A few call me Al, though. Glancing to the corner of the street, he notices an ice cream... <laughs> he notices an ice cream stand. Want an ice cream... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Glancing to the corner of the street, he notices an ice cream stand. Want an ice cream? He asks. Sure. They walk over, Allison ordering a vanilla. Hank, a strawberry cone. He pays, and they walk slowly down the street as they eat. It's funny that we've never met, considering you're a friend of Andrew's. Have you always lived here? All my life. <laughs> Did you go to the high school? <laughs> no, the private school. She looks down at his suit. Your parents must have been well off. <laughs> no. I, I, <laughs> oh, Jesus, I can't even say it. All right. Your parents must have been well off. No, I'm an orphan. Lots of foster homes. I just took out a pile of loans once I was old. <laughs> and now I'm paying them off. She smiles at him. So how close are you? Close. Business is easier than you'd think. He cracks a smile. Boring as all hell, though. So you're just in it for the money? Nah. Nobody's in anything for the money. Money's just a means to an end. All those guys who say they love money, they really just love floating in a pool all day while women in bikinis serve them drinks. That's true. I mean, who wouldn't? He props an eyebrow and she laughs. So then, she asks, what sort of an end do you have in mind? I don't exactly know yet. I kind of think I like to make movies, but I don't know. I want to make sure that I've got enough money that I'll never have to work again. And support a wife, I suppose. He laughs. I'm afraid my wives pay their own way. She squints at him just as he glances down at his watch. Damn. I have to get back to the office. Can I call you? Sure. Got a pen? He hands her a pen and a business card, and she writes her number on the back and hands it back to him. I'll call you tomorrow. Oh, sorry. I'll call you tomorrow, he says, watching her as he walks away. Bye. She gives her a small wave, turns to Alice and watches him go. He's walking to the different streets, looks at the trees and the buildings, and which is the scene, the extra brilliance, and I'm having to spend a little time with a strange and beautiful man. She spends most of the rest of the day reading, glancing out the window now and again to watch the sky grow slowly darker. Once the sun sinks low enough, she puts her book down in her lap and watches the horizon as it becomes gradually less defined, building faded in it. Can you imagine being like a fucking proofreader person for Harlequins who has to read this horse shit and decide that it's horse shit? Like, it doesn't matter if you reject it, you still had to read it. It's still wasting your life on this. Her mind begins to drift, thinking about the events of the day and the week that preceded it. When her phone rings, there's a soft click as she lifts the receiver. Hello? Hi. 
I decided not to wait until tomorrow. A smile forms on her face and it becomes apparent to her how much she had wanted to talk to him. Hi, Hank, she says. I'm sorry I couldn't stay longer today. I didn't plan to come to your house with so little free time, but I was in the neighborhood and really couldn't think of anything else to do. Well, I'm glad I helped alleviate your boredom. He chuckles. <laughs> it is boring, those offices. You can't imagine. Well, I suppose you can, working the counter of the drugstore. I wondered if you recognized me from there. Actually, I wondered if you were attached to the man at the pharmacy counter the way he kept glancing over at you. If we were, do you think you'd have to sneak in so many glances? No, and I doubted it anyway. He doesn't seem like your type. And what might my type be, boy who's only known me for one day? We've known each other longer. Not personally, but as a type. We're the same. Different from the others. I know you recognized it the first time you saw me. His sudden frankness shocks her, and she's silent for a moment before replying, Yes. I know that you've had a hard time finding people that you can talk to. People to relate. I know exactly what it's like. I've spent such a long time forming the ideals in my head. I wrote idea space L. So is that ideal or ideas or ideals? That I don't know if I'd be able to... That I knew I'd be able to see it in others almost immediately. And I have in small bursts. But in you, I don't see pieces of it. I see it. My ideals. So it is ideals. They are you. I didn't mean to tell you this so soon. But I'm sure of it. I love... You, what the fuck? <laughs> I love you. This is... Oh, nice. Oh, sweet. I actually wrote this as the next part. Fuck it. I officially give up. This shit ain't gonna happen. This is like the 20th page and I'm backed into a corner already. Fuck it. Oh, and it ends with a Marilyn Manson quote as befitting a person of my age at the time. I will bury your god in my warm spit. You'll be deformed in your porn. Then I wrote, besides, nobody listens to Marilyn Manson and Korn while they write fucking romance novels. Christ, this is almost as bad as flipping fucking burgers. XO Episode 4 A Bridge For more stuff, go to keepcourage.com
you want it so 